Last time we spoke about Lashon Hara, about false slander of other people. But false slander of other people, remember, really fits under the category of being liars as well. So now in his Chelek Hashini, remember that Rabbi Yonah has listed each of these groups in descending order of severity. So usually I think that the highest level is certainly among the Kitot that don't get to greet God's presence. But if it's a lie, those people already fit into the group of liars and therefore we don't need this one for it. So Rabbi Yonah says, somebody who says Lashon Hara about other people and stays far away from Divrei Shakar. I mean, he only says true uh, f- true negative information about those people. That's the second level of this cut of this group of slanderers, people tell Lashon Hara. And he says, That's who Chazal, that's who the Gemara meant when it said the group of people who tell slander of other people. Even though they're not liars. They too will not. In other words, and this is going to be our focus today or on the balance or trying to figure out where uh, different cases fall out. But in a situation where the negative information is not to be shared with others, that's the situation where if a person chooses to share it anyway, they will fall into this group of the kat and misapreh lashon hara. So, because the example that he's, first he's going to give, we'll get to more examples, is Let's say one Jew tells another or discusses with another, right? So let's say there's a Jew from an unfortunate background, you know, his parents, his grandparents, his great parents were evil in various ways. And I'm dealing with this Jew and I choose to mention to this Jew all those bad things. That's a violation of that's a violation of mistreating fellow Jews. The Torah says that we're not, and the Gemara said, that pasuk, that, that verse is talking about mistreating other people uh, with our words, right? With our verbs. So we usually think it means like taunting them. So here, when Yonah's pointing out, the taunt might be that I just choose to emphasize to the, to the Jew things that are not his fault or her fault, beyond their control, and nothing they are replicating. It's just, oh, you think you're so great. Remember, your parents were whatever. Your grandparents were whatever. Pazin Yechazkel says, the Rabbi Yonah quotes, Ben lo yisa av, the son will not bear the sin of the father. So that's the first. First step is you do it privately. So doing it privately is not telling Lashon Hora because you're not telling it to anybody else. You're doing, you're, but you are, the Jew is nonetheless violating the Torah in, in taunting the other Jew that way. And then, if, sadly, this Jew does, chooses to do it in front of other people, that's called, that's Gemara Baba Metziah 58b says, that's the cat qualifies as embarrassing a fellow Jew in public. And there the Gemara says that those people are right? That those are among the people who, this is actually in some sense a lesser category or a lesser severity than the one we're discussing. Those are people who are going to Ganem and they never come back up. <coughs> but it seems like in some sense maybe they would be able to greet the Divine Presence at some point. But if, if, so that's all when the person is there. In other words, you know, Joe, random Jew, has a difficult background uh, and, and is trying to make the best life he or she can. Somebody else, in their personal interactions, chooses to bring it up to them. Or, worse, 
choose to bring it up in front of them or to them, in front of other people, that's embarrassing them. If now, instead of doing it in front of them, the slanderer does it in front of people when that person isn't there. So then the goal isn't to embarrass them. The goal is is what the Rabbinionah says. It's that people shouldn't think well of that person. And to denigrate that person in the eyes of their fellow Jews. In other words, that's the difference between Lashon Hara and trying to embarrass somebody. I try to embarrass somebody, it's not good at all. But all I'm trying to do is embarrass them. If, on the other hand, what I'm trying to do is to damage their reputation, damage their social standing, damage their communal standing. So that's where Lashon Hara comes into play. And remember, none of this is untrue. It's just that it's not relevant because it's not about this person. And we'll get to this person's actions in a few minutes too. But it's not about that. It's that they came with this background. That might be interesting information, except that it doesn't tell us anything about this person. Is this person continuing his family's or her family's traditions? And if not, then it's completely irrelevant. That's why the Gemara says in Soto, Rabbi tells us that the Kat, the Shanara, the people who tell the Shanara won't get to greet the Divine Presence. Right? And then the Gemara says, the Rabbi says, and so too, let's use about Shuba. And we talk about this person, meaning until then we spoke about the person's parents' negative activities, because we were sort of assuming, but this person hasn't done anything wrong, hasn't involved him or herself in the negative activities. So that's why the parents or the grandparents, meaning, you know, the grandparents were mobsters and killed people, God forbid, and, and cheated on their taxes and, and, and maligned other Jews and, and told on other Jews to, to, to non-Jewish governments, losing them their livelihoods. So that's terrible. But if this Jew grew up in a, uh, you know, was in an observant environment or whatever, and has always lived a good life, that's where the Lashonar comes in, even if it's true, because I'm, I am introducing doubt into people's minds about this Jew based on his ancestors' activities. And then Rabbi says, and the same thing is true, if I'm talking about this person, meaning I, I, there's this big loophole, what if this person, you know, committed murder 10 years ago? But now is a Baal Tshuva. So murder is probably a bad example because we tend to think that murder has continuing um, has continuing ramifications even if the person has become a Baal Tshuva. But let's say it's whatever sins that have not been replicated whatsoever and I choose to come forward with that information. Okay, so it's not so simple at all. But let's imagine, for example, that uh, you know a guy dra- drove drunk five years ago, and has been literally sober ever since. Went to AA, did this and did that, drove sober ever since. And when he drove drunk, he drove into a, you know, a bakery and damaged the storefront. And it was a big deal, and he didn't have the money to pay it back, and it was a whole big thing. Five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, I bring it up. I've talked about this a lot in American scandals, sometimes in Israeli scandals. There are these scandals where somebody will come forward and say, so-and-so did X activity to me 25 years ago. And I think it's important to know about it. Now, there have been such scandals where the reaction of the person in the present gives evidence that they've not changed or that they've not, uh, they've not reached the level of contrition, the level of change that they needed. I've seen that happen too. But in lots and lots of cases, I think the answer should be, 25 years ago, I was stupid. right? And why are you bringing it up? And that's what Benyon is pointing out. Somebody's a bal tshuva. If somebody has changed and they've put their life back together in a different way, and that doesn't reflect who they are anymore, should it bring it up with no reason to think 
that it's still a relevant category in their lives, that's Lashon Hara as well. Yeah. Number so in paragraph Rish Ted Vav Rabbi says Let's imagine I see a fellow Jew sin in secret. Nobody knows about it. I just see it, and then I tell everybody about it. So that's also a problem, says Rabbi Yona, because you never know. Maybe the guy has already repented. Meaning, let's imagine you see a Jew. I don't know, cheat on their taxes, or you see a Jew go into the kind of go into a church. Uh, you know, as part of a service. Or I don't know what, but. And I choose to blare it to everybody. When he says, I'm not allowed to do that because I have to think to myself, maybe the guy regrets it. Maybe the, the Jew involved was under some kind of a pressure. And I don't know what the pressure was. And, and they did it. And they shouldn't have done it. But now they regret it. Right? He points out the verse says that only people know how, how, how penitent they are. How much they regret things they've done wrong. And therefore, it's not appropriate to tell it to other people. You should only, perhaps, you should only tell it, if it's anybody, to a, he says, to a chacham tzanua, to a, to a, 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 a chacham tzanua is a Torah scholar, a wise person, who's discreet, who will not blare things out where they don't uh, belong, won't tell it to everybody else, but we'll use the information responsibly. And responsibly means, this is what Rediona says, responsibly means that this person will hold the sinner at somewhat of arm's length until he knows, until he knows the person has repented. Meaning, if a Jew sees another Jew commit some kind of a sin, that's a fact. And the fact that's a fact is, is nobody's denying the fact. The problem with the fact is we don't know what the aftermath of the fact was. I, you know, personally, there are things that I've done, thank God, not in public, not things that I think anybody else knows about that I think were wrong and that I try to change and I try to be better about it. So if somebody were to come to have information about about any of those activities, I tell Lush and Hara and I feel bad about it. So the, the so if somebody knew that I did that and told the Torah scholar about it, the Torah scholar would now know that I'm this kind of a person who's done these things, but the Torah scholar would have some caution in their relationships with me, but not completely just assume it's completely true because maybe I've repented. And then Rabbi Yonah says, and if, by the way, the sinner that we witnessed commit this sin is a Torah scholar, and somebody who fears sin, then not only shouldn't we be spreading the news because maybe that did tshuva, says Rabbi Yonah, we're probably supposed to think that they definitely did tshuva and that anytime we might have seen them succumb to temptation, that as soon after the temptation is over, they feel terrible about it and they wish they hadn't done it and they really repented. So that's the Lashon Hara side of all of this because the person telling, spreading the information is spreading it when there might have been a change. And once there's a change, that information is no longer relevant and therefore no longer anybody's business. So, you know, you, you, you saw somebody running for the chief rabbinate. Let's, I, don't even, I don't know if this has happened. Let's say somebody's running for the chief rabbinate. They're a 55-year-old man. Running for the chief rabbinate. And comes along and says, you know, when they were 20, maybe it did happen. Maybe that's what I thought of it. When they were 20, they did this inappropriate thing. So that's only relevant if we have reason to think that this inappropriate thing that they did is... Um, 
that this inappropriate thing they did is uh, is still is still a concern, is still somehow part of their lives and part of who they are. So that's Rabinioni's point again. And if it's a Torah scholar, we're supposed to generally assume that they repented. In Reish I'm sorry, in Reish Tetzai, and Rabinioni says, so if somebody shares the negative information where it's not appropriate to share it and they cause embarrassment and they cause damage, right? I, I let somebody know that when this guy was 20, he ran a Ponzi scheme and now he's 57 or 63 and has been a responsible businessman for the last 40 years. But I tell somebody that he ran a Ponzi scheme when he was 23 and that person, oh, I'm not getting into business with him. So the damage and the embarrassment that the 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 the, 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 the tail bearer uh, commits, right? And he's choosing to to cause that other person problems and to give that other person uh, a reputation as being an evildoer and enjoying their downfall, right? So. Uh, Rabbi says that's all part of being a Mesepher Lashon That's the goal of Lashon Meaning, we're going to get to the other side in a second. There are times when you can argue, I feel the need to share this because it's important to share it. And there are times when it's important to share it. But the Lashon teller isn't thinking of it those way. He's sharing negative information for the fun of it. For the, for the, 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 the joy of knocking somebody else down a peg or two. For the joy of saying, oh, he's not so, that person's not so great. You think they're so great? His great-grandfather, you know, sold uh, sold munitions to the Nazis or whatever it was. He says, to a certain extent, there's one way in which it's worse if I tell Lashon Hara uh, that's true. Because if somebody tells Lashon Hara that's true, people will believe it more because the truth is more believable. It used to be true. I'm not sure that's true anymore, but it used to be. But the truth is more believable than falsehood. So when somebody tells negative information that's true, people will be even more likely to accept it and believe it and take it. And therefore, Ya'aleb ba'asho lifnehem v'yelavuz. And it's going to be worse. His reputation will suffer and he'll be embarrassed and it'll embarrass him. And it's wrong and bad because after all, this Jew we're talking about, this hypothetical Jew we've made up, is not continuing the ways of his parents, ancestors, and or has rejected his past. And this is a thing that's very difficult in our times. There are people who commit sins, and, and other people say, that's it. They're done forever. I will never trust them ever again in anything. But I think part of the Lush and Hara discussion we're having is a reminder that that's also not true. There are times when people do terrible things, and then sincerely, now there are times when people pretend to tshuva, pretend to repent, and do not. That's a different situation, but there are times when people do repent sincerely and fully, and yet, and yet are rejected. So that's part of the Lashon Hara equation. I know somebody who's living a perfectly good life, they're living a this and that, they committed a sin, but that sin is not relevant now, and they've repented of that sin, and yet we destroy their lives over it. I remember thinking about this, not in the Jewish context at all, there have been a couple of times when people were in whatever job it was. I think it comes up in universities and it turns out the person lied on their resume and they've been in this job for 20 years and it turns out that they never had the college degree. So obviously they have to leave their job right away because they got the job under false pretenses. I often wonder about that issue because if they've been doing the job well all this time, it's true they got the job under false pretenses, but maybe they felt pressure, maybe this, that. I don't feel like it's a more complicated conversation. That's part of our Lashonara conversation, when I'm going to spread information that's true and negative, when am I allowed to do that?
Okay. There's one more piece of the, the, the against Lashon Harasite. Reniana points out that a verse in Mishlei says, Evilim Yalitz Asha. Right? So what does that mean? Evilim are evildoers, and Yalitz is like they're going to tell, spread tales. So he says it means, Evil Yalitz Chova. That the, the talk of the Evil uh, ends up being a, a, a criminal thing for that person. Because the Evil will ferret out, will look for bad things about other people and ways in which other people are guilty. And never, it doesn't speak about the good qualities other people have. So that's part of being in a veal. Part of the evil is the goal. And this, I hope, reminds you of back our early categories. We talk about late, late seem. One of their deep flaws of a late was that a late was somebody who didn't want to see the good in the world. Rabbi Yon is pointing out that Shlomo Amalek and Mishle said part of the problem with the Mesapela Shanara is that they don't want to see the good in other people. So in Evelim Yelitz is that he looks for that each of them are looking for ways to take other people down. They just want to show that people aren't nearly as good as you think they are and people are so terrible and take them down. And Chazal said in Kedushin, I am in bet, Kol HaPasul Posel that anybody who is who is invalid in some way or negative in some way, wrong in some way, doesn't speak about the good of the world. And their 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 general practice is to speak of negatively about other people. But among the people who walk straight in life and do the right thing in life, so they'll find the good. He says, Risharim generally try to cover over bad things people have done now. We'll talk about in, in a moment. We'll talk about the fact that it's not when those bad things are still relevant. But the bad things are still relevant, you don't try to cover them over at all. It's that if there's a something in the past that's really in the past, it doesn't affect the present at all. So Yisharim, people live the right way, will try to let that slide. Yeah, once upon a time, that person stole a lot of money and they went to jail and they were a criminal, but now they're a perfectly good person. So we don't talk about that. And they'll find the good in other people to praise that. And he says, there's a story in, in the Musar books, right? There was a man once, um, one man and a wise man passed by a dead animal, a nevela, a nevela. So the regular man said, oh, it stinks. And the Chalcom said, did you see, the wise person said, did you see how white its teeth were? Right? And then, so that's an example of that. What do you choose to focus on? What do you choose to notice in areas where noticing the bad has no value? That's where we should try to notice the good. And then the verse soon after that, Mishle says, and then everybody knows their own bitterness of their heart. And the point is that the Evil speaks the bad about other people, it doesn't recognize, doesn't remember that the penitent, the, the, the other person might have done tshuva. And you don't know how sincere a tshuva is. You don't know how much their past bothers them. You don't know how sad they are about it and how much Hashem has forgiven them. Because, as Rabbi has said, the, the underlying assumption of the whole third section of Sharei tshuva was that the essence of tshuva is according to miriru talev, is according to the level of, of, of internal regret that we develop for it. And therefore, the Evil, who might be dealing with a person who, from God's perspective, has rectified 
the wrong they committed, and the Avil is choosing to bring it up again. So all of that is underlying our Lashon Hara conversation. So that's the true Lashon Hara and the problems with the true Lashon Hara. However, um, Rabbi Yonah says, but all of this is about somebody else where we have the obligation or the responsibility to assume they might have changed or about a Torah scholar to be almost certain because their practice is to change and to regret. But he, and all the more so if we know the person repented. However, let's imagine we know somebody who's not like that, who unfortunately is a sinner, continues to sin, has made a pathway of sin, doesn't have any fear of God, and always sins. So there, Rabbi Yonah says, mitzvah l'saper bignuto. It's an obligation to denigrate such a person. And that's part of, that shows you part of our dilemma here. Because it's not, oh, either you do bad or you do neutral. Rabiniona is saying that if there's a situation where we should, where we're supposed to be revealing negative information about somebody, it's an obligation to do so. We have to figure it out. Like a lot of and to make sure that other people don't think well of that person. Remember, Hanifa was when we get other people to think well of a person who's really a bad person, right? We don't want that either. So it's only those people who have chosen and de- stuck to and are dedicated to a negative path. But those people, we do have a responsibility to try to make sure that other people know about it. In fact, the Gemara Sanhedrin, Rabiniona quotes for us, that if somebody's a Russia, if somebody's an evildoer, but their ancestors were righteous, we can say their ancestors were, were evil. That's, a, that's, that's permissible to us because it's part of making sure that people stay away from this Russia. And also... If you have a tzaddik, a righteous person, whose ancestors were not so righteous, we're allowed to say, no, the ancestors were righteous too, because once this person is him or herself in his or her life righteous, we have the right to just try to do our best that people should think of them as righteous. Okay? And Reniona says, if we see people, we have to figure out whether we judge them that they're doing something nice, something good, or something bad. Reniona says, the Rabbi says as well, although people don't know this anymore because they've adopted the other perspective, the Rav and Rabbeinu were of the perspective that we're allowed to judge them based on what we know about their past. Most people remember that we say, oh, judge everybody for the best. But that's not the way the Rav and Rabbeinu understood that mission and Avot. They understood it to mean judge them according to what you know about them. And only in the case we don't know anything about them, then judge them for the best. In any case. Right? Judging other people for the good is a myth of the Torah as long as... Right, as long as it's the kind of thing where it's reasonable to judge them for the good, either the action they do leans towards the good, or they're a person who almost always does the good. Right, so then, but he says, if there's a person, most of what that person does is bad, or this Jew who's watching this knows that this person has no fear of God, then Rabbeinu the Rabbin preceding him in this is of the opinion that that person we should judge negatively, even if it's an action that could be interpreted positively. We should judge it negatively. That's not our main topic now. I'm just pointing out that Rabiniona is is nuancing, is giving us reason to believe that the Lush and Hara discussion is not as simple and black and white as you might make it think. Um, so then he says, when the Torah, when Pesachim Mishlech says, Alti Eid Chinam Bereacha. So Chinam doesn't mean false. Chinam means free or unnecessary. He says, if somebody else is stuck in sin, right, he stole or he did this or he did that, and you have to give testimony about it, so the person will give the, 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 the theft back, and you need two witnesses, but this Jew is the only witness, 
right? So he could take an oath about it and, and therefore, but you have to be worried. But let's imagine that there's something the other person did that's wrong, but it affects nobody else, right? So there, Rabbi Yonah says that there's not going to be any productivity to, to revealing it to a court or telling people about it. Just keep it to yourself. If there's nothing productive about it. And if the person who committed the sin fears sin, so then you might bring it up with them and try to convince them to do tshuva and to bring them back and to help them out, right? You can do all of those things. Um, yeah, but if the sinner is somebody who doesn't care about those kinds of things, or God forbid is even worse than that, has just overthrown the yoke of heaven and isn't careful about sin, Right, and everybody knows that these sins are are, are an avera, and he just keeps doing them, doing them, doing them. Veniona says he says not here, just here, many times. Mutar limo. We're we're permitted to embarrass him or her. Ulasaper bignuto, and to talk about what's negative about that person. Now, I think we today uh, shy away from that for lots and lots of reasons. First off, I think it's too easy to convince ourselves of this, and therefore. Will be exaggerated. Second, I think there was a time, I think everybody knows time, you thought that you embarrass somebody in public, that'll be a reason for them to change their ways and go back to being better. And it's not clear that that strategy works in our times in our culture. It might just push them further away. So that'd be another reason why we stay. And then we also think that it's much rarer that people really understand how bad the things that they're doing. And by the time they do, they often aren't going to be impressed with anything we say to them anyway. And therefore, why do it? So there's a, I'm not saying we should follow any own on this. I'm just pointing out that it's not so true what you'll hear people say that, oh, you should never embarrass somebody, you should never speak negatively to somebody, you should never speak negatively about somebody. All I can say is that at least Rabbi Yonah did not think that was true, right? So if somebody is a regular sinner and they know what they're doing, right? So he points out the verse we quoted before, amito, we're not allowed to mistreat our fellow people, fellow Jews with words. The Torah refers to Amito. An Amit is a colleague. And the Gemara in Bava Metziah says, Im mitzvot. It only means somebody who shares a dedication to Torah and mitzvot with us. But if somebody has abandoned that, God forbid, then they're not part of that. We are allowed to verbally mistreat them. And there's no, there's A, no punishment for it. There's B, no problem with it. And C, we might think that there's value in it both Theoretically, for that person who might learn a lesson, and even if not that person, certainly for other Jews who will learn from the way we react to this Jew. Then he says, mm-hmm. And also, uh, we had saw this in the group of Hanifa, we have to publicize who these people are because it's Chil Hashem. The Chil Hashem will be that people think of this person as a good person, and it turns out that they're really a terrible person. There's a Chil Hashem there, meaning if I know somebody's, a, I don't know, a serial adulterer who's otherwise seen as an admired public figure. So, an admired public figure. So, I know they're still adulterer. When it comes out, it's going to be a big embarrassment to whatever admired public figure they are, right? They'll say, oh, you know, that rabbi is a serial adulterer, that, you know, shul pre- whatever it is. So, therefore, it's a reason to let the word get out earlier and not have people be so impressed with that person. On the other hand, always I need to know the other hand, if this person just once or twice has fallen prey to temptation, and generally the person tries to do good, then that's an example of where we're not supposed to be a we're not supposed to be a, 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 a witness against other people for no good reason, right? So, especially since 
lots of times it's sins that we ourselves have fallen prey to. So that's the, the, the two sides of this story that we have to figure out. You know, there is this idea of Lashon Hara, and Lashon Hara is terrible, and Lashon Hara puts, you in the, puts a Jew, God forbid, in the category of not greeting the divine presence, as we've said. And it's, even if it's true, as long as it's negative information that nobody needs to know. But if it's negative information that other people need to know, it might be a discreet Torah scholar who won't share it uh, too widely. Or it might be that the public needs to know because this is a regular sinner and it's a chil Hashem to let the person just continue as if they're fine. So that's all part of this puzzle, right? So the Rediona points out that, let's say somebody gives loan testimony. Loan testimony in Alafa doesn't count for, loan testimony doesn't count for more, for very much because it's just one person and we don't give credence to something, legal credence to something until there are two. Kamaras in Psachim says, if somebody chooses to give testimony when there's just one, then we might give them, we might give the, 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 the witness lashes, rabbinic lashes, to show them, don't bring information out to the public unless there's some real value to the information. On the other hand, right, if there's a second person, so then you tell it to the judges because they might bring the sinner before them in private and try to talk to the sinner. Now, I know a situation where courts have done that, brought a sinner in private and tried to help them avoid embarrassment, public embarrassment. Unfortunately, when sinners are caught up in their sins, sometimes they reject it, and then it ends up getting public anyway. So that's a very sad thing, but at least you try. Then the last piece of the rainy order for this time, and next time we'll go on to other examples of Lashonara that aren't quite as uh, as fully bad, right? Other information we're not supposed to spread. That's what we'll talk about next time. Continue with Benyona and moving on to other sources as well. Here the last paragraph is When it comes to sins among people, like theft or mispay or not payment of bills or damaging of other people or causing them distress or embarrassing them or taunting them. So you can tell that to other people, right? And you tell people what you saw because there you can also argue that you're trying to help other people um, be protected or help the victims and all of those reasons. So that's another set of reasons, right? Helping victims, protecting future people would be other reasons to spare this information around even if you don't have legal uh, proof of it in those ways, because there is a permissibility of being careful about something if it's relevant. So, Rebeniona's presentation of the kinds of slanderers who don't get to greet the divine presence brings us into our conversation about what information that people have the right to or don't have the right to, need to know or don't need to know, have, have the excuse to need to know or not to need to know in terms of sharing negative information. The negative information is true, but irrelevant, can't spread it. That's Lushan Hara. That loses you the ability to greet the divine presence. If it's true and relevant in some way, so then you might have to share it. That's this time. We'll move on next time to other information not to spread in various situations. Thanks for joining us.